0: This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we have another Q&A, and I dive deep into questions. We actually didn't have that many questions today, but I went really deep into each one of them. Um, which was fun. Uh, We talked about when women have to diet on very, very low calories if they're a lighter body weight and looking to lose fat. I dove into my explanations on why I use the conjugate method and how I modify that for my clients who want to have multiple goals, they want to look good, they want to feel good, they want to perform well, um, they want to get jacked. So we dive into that and and what I do for Chad Gable, who is one of my clients that is in the WWE. We talk about the number one person I would want to interview, we talk about quite a bit today. It's actually a really cool podcast. Not that many questions, but you guys are going to get a chance for me to go super deep into them. So grab a pad, grab a pen, take some notes, learn from the podcast, and make sure you apply what we talk about. Before we get into the podcast, I want to shout out my sponsor, Top Notch Nutrition. You can head over to topnotchnutrition.com slash discounts slash boom, boom, or click the link in the show notes to save 10 to 15% off on your next purchase. This is the number one supplement company in the industry, in my opinion. That's why we are affiliated with them, and I highly recommend you check out some of their stuff. Uh, if you like the show, make sure you do me two huge favors, leave us a five-star rating and review, and as always, take a screenshot of the podcast you were listening to right now. Head over to Instagram, post it on your story, and tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom. Uh, I want to thank you for listening, and I want to share it on my story as well. Without any further ado, let's get on to the questions.
1: All right, guys, so Q&A today, we're going to jump right into it. We got the first question from Carmen Spitzer. It's a two-part question, but so I'll start with the first one. It says, is there a chance for... Is there a chance for advanced lifters who lost a lot of strength and muscle during the pandemic to see body recomposition when returning to the gym? If so, how would you program training and nutrition?
0: So I think uh, I think yes in some cases, but so I think it goes two ways. I think sometimes people think that because they're out of the gym for a month or two, they're going to lose a ton of muscle. But I can almost guarantee. I know her; she didn't stop training. Uh, I know most people didn't stop training. They just had to do with minimal equipment. They had to do at home with bands. They had to do push-ups. They had to do air squats, stuff like that. But if you're doing, I would even say like 50% of the amount of volume you were doing or 50% of the applied tension to the muscle, you're going to maintain your muscle. So there's a lot of people that didn't see any difference because if they kept their diet on point, if they trained at all, if if they used their muscles, they probably didn't grow because it's to a lesser degree than when they were in the gym But they're going to maintain. And then there's no recomp happening because you didn't decrease. Um, The other case would be, yes, you do see a recomp. But it's not necessarily you're building new muscle and burning fat. You're just rebuilding muscle tissue. So if you come out of the gym and you let's say you take more days off, you don't train as much at home, maybe your diet's not on point, um, you're going to drop off some muscle glycogen. uh, So it's going to seem like you have less muscle. You're going to be flatter. You're going to be more watery. It's going to look like you gained fat and lost muscle really all that's happening is you're not getting a pump constantly because you're not training, and you're not fueling your body with nutrients and then using the nutrients that are going to apply into the muscle cell. So muscle memory a lot of the times is just replenishing tissue because muscle tissue is full of carbohydrates or glucose in water. If we don't use them, like, we don't fill the sponge, essentially, yeah. if you think about it like that. Um, so it, it's the same thing as if you go on a low-carb diet. You start getting flat. Your performance right. goes down. You feel like you lost muscle. Then you eat, like, high carbs for a couple days, and boom, you gain all this muscle. No, yeah. you're just fueling muscle glycogen.
1: How long does it take to replenish? <sighs> a
0: day. Yeah. Like, not long. Like, it, I mean, it depends. Like, a couple days. It depends on how depleted you are. Quite literally you know? like a sponge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it basically is. I mean, um, so for a lot of people, they will see a recomp. But it's not really a recomp. It's just you're just rebuilding muscle tissue or refueling muscle tissue. Um, But I also think there is the case where some people might be able to see some recomp because they go from not really training much at all um, or doing very little because they're uh, at home working out. And then they go back into the gym training four or five days a week, eating right, sleeping. like You probably will see some recomp because it's such a dramatic shift uh, and just such a dramatic Stimulus change, right? You go from not doing much at all to doing a ton. Um, as long as that's manageable, if you do too much, you're just going to burn out. You're not going to see that. But um, I definitely think it's possible. I think for the more advanced lifters who see it, it's probably just refueling glycogen. You gotcha. know, you're just probably getting back to where you were. Um, it's more of a muscle memory than a recomposition. But I think it's possible. I think recomp's more possible than peop- than science will let you believe because it's really hard to create body recomposition in a study. Um, Recreate it? Actually, I shouldn't even say that. So, like, or create it, yeah. but it's hard to do that in an advanced lifter. But like, we see recomp all the time inside of studies with uh, beginners, non people, people who don't novice. train often, yeah. and they they always see they get leaner and they build muscle. We see it all the time in studies. A lot of times they're just newbies. They've never been in the gym. It's hard to create that with advanced lifters, but I know most coaches will openly say they've seen it plenty of times. I mean, we saw it with me, mm-hmm. with uh, going from like kind of training hard and then getting like really into it again uh, about, you know, six months ago. Hmm. And I saw a recomposition, but it's all circumstantial, you know, surgery, some time off, taking things not so seriously, and then being like out of nowhere, fuck it, individual I'm gonna go hard. Individual hard. 100%. Absolutely. So um, it's definitely possible, but I think a lot of times people mistake recom for just muscle memory, refilling gotcha. glycogen.
1: So uh, like I said, it's the uh, two-part question. So the second part says, most women don't want to blow up. What should a woman do if she wants to build as much muscle as she can, but stay lifestyle lean to feel good? Parentheses, macros, subs, training, recovery, etc. cetera. Um,
0: I think the, n- the most important thing to remember here is – uh, the thing you need more than anything is patience. Um, I've talked about this many times. Right now, I'm on this exact journey. I'm not a female, but I'm trying to build as much muscle as possible. And I'm okay not being super lean because I know I'll get lean later on, but I definitely don't want to get fat. Like, I'm not trying to put on body fat. But I also have to be extremely patient I committed to a year upfront and said even if I have to not cut that entire year I will So that's a year of just trying to build muscle you know it's and I am an advanced lifter so if somebody's listening who's not you might not need to spend that much time. But the reality is, is it takes much longer than people like to believe. Like you're not going to build a ton of muscle in 12 weeks. It's just not going to happen. You can build muscle, and I've seen newbies build a good amount of muscle, mm-hmm. or women who have uh, been under eating and circuit training their whole life, and then we switch them to maintenance calories or above in a strength program. They do build a lot of muscle quick, but. It's only for so long. For most people, uh, who especially who are more advanced or have been in the gym, you need to commit to a longer period of time. You need to commit to a amount of time not getting leaner, uh, maybe not getting fatter, but not trying to get leaner, just trying to build muscle. And you have to be okay with the scale going up mm. because I think a lot of people are like, well, I want to build muscle, but I don't want the scale to go up. Well, muscle weighs, so how are you going to do that? Yeah, You know what I mean? Without losing fat at the same time, which is very unrealistic. um except in those specific circumstances like I just talked about. So I think like, number one, have patience, commit to a long period of time of just trying to build strength, get performance up, biofeedback improvements, and build muscle, period. Six, eight, 12 months of just that. Maybe some mini cuts thrown in there where you cut for four to six weeks just to trim off some fat to make you feel better, but the majority of your year should be trying to gain muscle and then after that you can cut and when you cut you will be back to lifestyle lean um i think and i think some people are unrealistic with their lifestyle lean you know like i'm not nearly as lean as i want to be because who doesn't want to be shredded but i'm surviving and i feel fine and so like this is less lean than i would have normally said lifestyle lean is but i'm here and I really don't have anything to complain about. So why not just sit here and get the most out of it? You know, I think that's, I had this conversation with a guy, uh, one of my clients yesterday because um, he's kind of getting antsy. We've been, he's been on a gaining plan for about five months and he's getting kind of antsy. He's like, I want to cut, I want to do this. But his ultimate goal is to be heavier than he is right now and leaner than he is right now. Mm-hmm. The only way that's going to happen is if we go heavier than what he wants to be at a lean body composition, because we have to build yeah. and then we have to cut down to that. So I even think about this with me. I want to be 175 super lean. That means I got to get like 185, you know, and to I'm to be able to cut. Yeah, to be able to cut, because right now I'm 177. If I cut two pounds, I'm not going to be shredded, <laughs> like not like I want to be. So I got more more weight to gain. Um, but that's that's a journey, you know. So I think I think taking your time, being patient with it. Uh, allowing some weight gain to happen because you need to gain weight. Um, for macros, if we're, if we're talking about trying to lean gain, I'm a big fan of high-protein, high-carb, low-fat. Um, I don't think you should ever go below be 0.3 for men, 0.4 for most women, grams per pound of body weight and fat. Um, so it's not an ultra-low-fat diet. You're still in that like 20 to 25% range of calories typically unless you start going into a crazy surplus. Sometimes it can dip a little lower than that. Um, so it's still enough fat to make sure that your hormones are supported, but it gives you way more room to play with carbs. I'd rather have way less fat and a ton of carbs because carbs are gonna fuel performance, they're gonna drop cortisol, they're gonna help um uh, rebuild muscle tissue because your recovery is better, your your cortisol's down, your stress management's better, your performance in the gym is better. Um and you're gonna build more muscle. You know, and it's way it's harder for your body to store carbs as fat um compared to fat. Doesn't mean you shouldn't have fat, because fat's essential, you can't survive without it. You can survive without carbs. But carbs are going to be more advantageous for just trying to build muscle. There's, that, there's that word again. Yeah. Um, I like saying advantageous. <laughs> um, but it's true. But it's true. Yeah. So uh, for macros, I'd probably be going like 1 to 1. 1.2 grams per pound of body weight in protein. I would be going like 0. 0.3 to 0. 0.4 grams in fat. And then I would be eating as many carbs as possible without gaining weight too fast. Um, which usually means like finding maintenance, chilling there for there a sec, okay. and then inching up a little bit, waiting, inching up a little bit, waiting. I'm a big fan of, of like doing like a, like a, a type of reverse diet that I don't like doing in individuals who need to reverse diet with people who are lean gaining. And what I mean by that is if somebody really needs a reverse diet cause they've been chronically dieting, I don't want to like inch up their calories because they're just still in a deficit, still in a deficit. Like I want to get your calories up so you feel better. But with somebody lean gain like myself, we've been slowly inching calories up, but we don't want to inch too far and just start getting fat. So it's like, well, we got all the time in the world. So like let's bump up, you know, 15 grams of carbs. Let's wait a couple weeks. Bump up 15 more. Wait a couple weeks. Bump up 15 more. All right, cool. We found our sweet spot. But if I would have jumped up 60 grams carbs right away, 45 grams carbs right away, and it was too much, I would have been putting on unnecessary fat and then had to pull calories down. It's not worth it. So I would just go slow with that process. With supplements, um, with everything else, I think if you're lean gaining, I don't think you have to focus on the rest as much. Like when you're cutting, I'm much more worried about supplements uh, and meal timing because when you're eating less calories to lose weight, nutrient timing becomes more important because your performance is going to be hampered from Not eating as much. You're in a deficit. You're in a diet. So if we can structure your meals to be timely around training to perform and recover better and sleep better, that's going to help you during a diet. But when you're lean gaining, if you're eating at maintenance or even in a small surplus, I mean, you got energy all day. You got more than enough food. So, like, for me, like, all my meals are, like, I can change my, like, I sometimes I'll move my workout to the morning if I have something in the evening, like, on those group calls with the Tribune. And – I don't change my meals because I'm eating enough food to where I'm always going to have energy. I'm not like scarce on food. Um, So nutrient timing is less important when you're in that phase. Supplementation is less important because you're getting an abundance of calories, which means you're getting an abundance of vitamins and minerals. You don't really have an issue with micronutrient deficiencies. If you are dieting, you are eating less calories, which is less room to take in micronutrients from food. You're getting less fiber uh, because you have less carbs. You are getting uh, leaner, which means you're having less body fat and, and fat soluble vitamins are essential for life and they store in body fat, um, you're drinking a ton of water, you're peeing a lot and you're sweating a lot cause you're training or doing cardio. Well, now you're depleting water soluble vitamins, which are, are also essential for life. So if I'm dieting, I'm much more on, on point with like, okay, let's, let's separate our meals this way. Let's time them this way. Let's make sure we're taking a multivitamin. Let's make sure we're taking fish oil, eating certain foods to like keep your bases checked, getting some sodium because you have less calories coming in. That's going to help the carbs work, do their job. Um, but with lean gaining, I'm not that concerned about it. Yeah. I still, like personally, like I still take fish oil every day. I still take a multivitamin every day. And I still take creatine every day. And I take vitamin D, which I think everybody should take. But there's not like a crazy list of supplements, you know. Yep. Um, if you really want to get nitty-gritty for some individuals, like I like ashwagandha. It's a good one for like lowering stress, lowering cortisol, improving hormonal profile. Um, it's cheap. Can't hurt. It's not going to be a make or break it, but why not take it before bed? Less anxiety, less sleep, sleep better. Um, And that's about it. I think fish oil is the biggest one, though. Yep. I'm a huge fish oil fan.
1: Dope. I love it.
0: That was more in-depth than I was planning, but that was good. Well,
1: there you go, Carmen. All right. Next one is from Heather Agard. I'm trying to decide how to best fuel my early morning workouts. I had been – I had been just grabbing a pre-workout and a banana since I can't eat a whole meal at 5:30 a.m. However, after hearing one of your podcast episodes, you you where you mentioned you used to just have a uh, casein shake where when you were training early in the morning. I'm rethinking my, my choice now. W- would it be better to have a fresh protein circulating first thing in the morning? With my workout or carbs, I have plenty of carbs at night, so this should should fuel me, correct? If protein is best, should I still get at least 24 grams for MPS? Muscle protein synthesis.
0: Yeah, I think uh, 20 to 25 grams is the minimum. Um, So there's a couple ways to do this. Number one, I definitely wouldn't just have carbs for a couple reasons. Number one... If you have protein with it, it's going to slow the digestion down a little bit. Um, it's going to make it more sustainable. So like pre-workout, I don't like having just pure starchy carb, no fiber, no protein, no fat because then I get all this carb surge and then I just have this blood sugar drop mid-training session. I'd rather have a little bit of fats, a little bit of protein or good amount of protein in there. So the carbs, it's like a steady energy source across mm-hmm. the whole training session. Um, but when you're fasting, it, it's, it's good to have carbs cause carbs fuel performance. It's glucose, but you need amino acids going through your bloodstream to make sure that you're not having a, a negative, uh, muscle protein, uh, ratio. So the breakdown to synthesis, like how much are you taking in versus how much are you breaking down? Because your muscle is essentially protein as well. It's, it's the amino acids are in there. Um, so you want to make sure you have those in so you're not tearing those down. And recovery is going to be better. Um, and to to some extent, when you have amino acids pre-workout, there is some studies that show performance is a little bit better. Um, and I don't know if that's a mental or a neurological thing um, or a muscular thing. We don't really know. But point being is you shouldn't do it with just carbs or you shouldn't do it just fasted. Now, the casein thing, there was an interesting study done by uh, Dr. Jose Antonio. You can find it on JISSN. Uh, maybe we'll link that in the show notes. But it essentially showed there was there was three groups. They all did Cardio. First thing in the morning, one group was fasted, one group did whey protein, one did a casein protein shake, and then actually I think there was a fourth group that did carbohydrates. And the group that drank the casein protein uh, saw more uh, fat loss during the cardio, more caloric expenditure. So it's kind of hard to say why that is. Um, You know, both carbohydrates and whey protein spike your insulin a little bit. I'm not a big... Like, I don't think insulin plays as big of a role as we used to think it did. Um, But it could be the fact that it, you know, it spiked your insulin. It could be the fact that casein is a slow digesting protein. So it was more steady and slow nutrients throughout the session. Um, Fasting is probably just because when you're fasted, you don't have any calories in you. You are not going to perform as hard. So the people might have walked a little bit harder during the for the groups that actually ate something first they burned more calories Hmm. because they walked faster they walked more steps yeah um even if they didn't burn as much in that single time period at the end of the day they would have um but because of that like on the mornings if i'm doing just fasted cardio like i'd probably have a case and shake before it i think that's what like i was getting ready for a photo shoot and i used that like uh i i pushed my breakfast out a little bit later and i would do my cardio in the morning and i would just have a casein protein shake. Because we have one study that shows it could have been beneficial. I don't like doing it fast anyway, so why not? You know, But if you're strength training, I think that you're going to want either a combination of, of casein and whey, or you're going to want just whey. Because whey is going to be uh, more fastly absorbed, and it's going to get amino acids right into your bloodstream. It's not going to delay. So whey has a greater effect on leucine and muscle protein synthesis. So if you have whey, it's going to kick mps up faster which is going to be helpful for building muscle and recovering um whereas casein it's not kicking up muscle protein it's like kind of like steadily giving it to you Mm. which is good in some scenarios you know having casein before you go to bed is good because then you have this slow steady stream of mps going overnight but if i'm in a workout i want that spike to be immediate so when i go into the workout i already had that spike and i already have the amino acids present and ready to go um which is why combining might be a good idea because if you get enough from the whey to spike MPS, but you get enough from the casein to keep it steady so the muscle protein breakdown isn't too bad, your ratio is pretty spot on. However, if she's training at 5 in the morning, she might not want to have a 50-gram protein shake, you know? yeah. especially because she might be a lighter female. Yeah. For me, 50 grams in a meal isn't crazy, so I would do that. Um, it's also why I typically have whey protein and Greek yogurt, Greek yogurt's casein, put them together gives me both there you go but but yeah that's what i would do i would, i mean you could keep having i think she said banana or something whatever you're having pre but just yep. just add a whey protein shake
1: absolutely all right so the next question comes from i'm gonna butcher this name steve rakes i think that R- actually i think you did yeah i did butcher uh, it no, no i think you got it right unless it's reeks r-a-i-k-e-s rakes yeah i've always said rakes Can you explain the reasoning behind your program design with the conjugate method for male's program inside the tailored trainer? Frequency, volume, intensity, exercise selection, et cetera. Explain it all. Yeah.
0: So uh, the conjugate method, it's called the modified conjugate method. And then there's like in parentheses as male. And then there's a female version as well. Mm -hmm. Just slightly different exercise selection. So I'll get into that in a sec. Um, but this is a program inside the TO Trainer, uh, so I'll kind of just break down my thought process on that specific program because – not all the programs inside the Taylor trainer use a conjugate method. I mean, there's full body, there's push, pull legs, there's uh, bodybuilding style, upper, lower splits. There's conjugate method style, upper, lower splits. There's a lot of different things. Um, and we always have a link to that in the show notes. So guys, if you do want your training programs done for you, periodized and mapped out with an app and a group that allows you to get all the access needed to execute properly, click the link in the description, sign up. It's less than a cup of coffee a day. Now, to get back to the to the question, a uh, little sales pitch there for you. Shameless plug. Yeah, the, the new app is sick. Yeah, the new app is sick. I was pumped about Dude, that. Dude, that's sick. And that's exclusive. Yeah. Not many people are going to get that, which yeah. is really cool that we were able to. So uh, for those of you listening, uh, the, what we're talking about is now, because we use True Coach, but now when our clients log in, the logo isn't True Coach. It's TCM. And it says Tailored Coaching yep. on it. When they go. download it, not login. Yeah, yeah, when they download it. Um, so, yeah, well, no, expensive. when they log in, because when they download it, it'll still be True Coach. But once they log in, oh. since they're one of my clients, it'll change. Yeah, Sick. Uh, yeah. But uh, but the whole the whole point with the conjugate method, a conjugate method is essentially um, conjugate method is a powerlifting program. So it's designed to get people as strong as humanly possible. So there's a couple of variabilities that we take from it. Number one, and this is why it's called modified. Number one, it's modified because I'm not just trying to get people as strong as possible. People want to look good. So how can we fuel performance, get them stronger, uh, give them a program that's fun and exciting, kind of athletic feeling, but you build muscle, lose fat, whatever your goal is like, you look better after the program's done. For sure. Right. Um, We take from it that it is an upper-lower split and that there is a max effort day for upper-lower, and then there is a dynamic effort day for upper-lower. Dynamic effort for powerlifting – primarily means speed work and some accessory lifts. So you might do like six to eight sets of speed bench and then some like throws, some explosive stuff. For the legs, you might do like uh, speed rack pulls, speed deadlifts, speed box squats, uh, deadlift trap bar, like deadlift jumps, um, and then like sled pulls and some like dynamic stuff. The way I look at dynamic is it's not like – Brute force. It's not max effort strength. It's like, okay, let's focus on hypertrophy. Let's focus on speed. Let's focus on uh, movement quality. Let's focus on form um, and create some cool variations. So the way we have it split up is uh, usually goes max effort, dynamic effort, dynamic effort, max effort. So the max effort days are spread apart because if you have two max effort days back to back, upper, lower, you're taxed. Um, So it's upper, lower, max effort, dynamic effort, and then every three-week block I change it. Now, typical conjugate method style changes every week. So you might keep some exercise. Let's say somebody needs to build their triceps for their bench. They might keep like triceps of death or push-ups or dips, or I'm sorry, push-downs or dips or whatever in their program for weeks on end. But every single week, their compound lift changes. So you might do a box squat this week, and you're doing a back squat next week, and then a rack pull the week after, and then you're doing a front squat, and it's like constantly varied. Gotcha. The reason they're constantly varying it is because – they're lifting such heavy weights. This is one of the reasons. They're lifting such heavy weights that uh, the overuse injur- injury is way more common. I'm not working with people that squat 800 pounds. So I don't really have to worry about that overuse injury, yeah. right? And I'm working with people who want to build lean muscle tissue. In order to build lean muscle tissue, you have to do the same thing over and over again and progress it. So I change that a little bit. Um, I do I, I do take the point of changing things more frequently than I would in a typical program. So typically, I like changing exercise selection every, like, six to eight weeks Mm -hmm. because I think six to eight weeks is usually, like, you know, I'm doing a dumbbell reverse lunge for, like, 10 to 12 reps per side. After about six to eight weeks, I think I've maxed out my my 10 to 12, you know, dumbbell lunge, and I'll switch to a Bulgarian split squat or a walking lunge or a lateral step up, something. But – I also understand that a lot of people get bored. A lot of people like variation. It's exciting. Like, I know when I get a new program, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm yeah. ready to try new things, right? So I was like, okay, let's, let's tweak this to where we keep the compound lifts for six weeks straight um, so you have enough time to progress. Because if I give you a back squat, you know, week one and two, you're trying to learn how to back squat. You're trying to get comfortable with the weight on your bar, figure out how much you can do. Week three, you start really progressing and adding load because you're getting comfortable on the bar. And then I just change it. Yeah, It's done. You know, like, so I'd week rather, keep, I'd rather keep it for six weeks yeah. and for some clients on an individual base, I'll keep lifts for nine to 12 weeks uh, when I'm customizing things for them because we just need longer to progress that lift because realistically you shouldn't change a lift until you've maxed out your capability with yeah. it, which really is never going to happen. But like at a certain <laughs> point you're like, I'm not going to make any more gains in this rep range on this moving pattern right now. Like yeah. I'm burnt out on this one and you move it. So
1: on a six-, six week span, by week three or four, you're getting just as comfortable as to where you're. Doing it as regular. Yep. Yeah.
0: And then after six weeks, we go to week seven, which is a new compound lift, a new program altogether, yeah. and it's kind of like a deload because your your new movement patterns means you got to lower the load on everything so you can learn how to do them. Yep. So it's kind of like built-in deloads. So, uh, but every three week block, we change the exercise selection for the accessory and isolation work. So we might have this is with a conjugate. Conjugate. Yep. Yep. So we might have a barbell bench press on max effort day for upper body, which is usually the most common one. Um, Every six weeks, that might change to an incline press and then a barbell floor press, and then we'll circle back to a barbell bench press. So we're cycling through over Mm. time. But every three weeks, we're changing the accessory work. So maybe we start with a barbell bench press, and then we move on to a half-kneeling landmine press and a weighted chin-up for eight to ten reps each. Gotcha. After three weeks, I'm changing that to a uh, standing single-arm kettlebell press and a lat-dominant one-arm row. Still using the same movement patterns, still using the same muscle groups, but I'm changing the variation so we can stimulate the muscle a little bit differently. We can stimulate your mind a little bit differently. You're motivated to train again. Um, and it's a new stimulus, so you're going to build new strength. And it keeps it engaging and exciting because every three weeks you're changing new things. Because, for example, on a landmine press or a barbell curl, you don't need three weeks to learn how to do that. Yeah. It's really easy to do that for most people. Like, oh, okay, like I kneel and I just press. Yeah. Like maybe week 1 you're getting used to how much weight you can do, but week 2, week 3 you progress, week 3 we change to a new movement. Just document it. Yep, and yeah. we just document it. So uh 6-week blocks for compound, 3-week blocks for uh accessory and isolation work. I typically have some kind of uh metabolic conditioning finisher at the end. For legs, it's much more of a conditioning conditioning like sled, assault bike, rower, sprint, something like that. Um usually mixed with some carries, keeping it functional. On the upper body days, it's more of like a it's a metabolic circuit, so you're going at a fast pace. You're, you're taking low rest periods, but we're doing like pump work. Barbell curls, supersetted with uh, dips, supersetted with band pull apart, right? So it's all like bodybuilding shit, just trying mm-hmm. to build muscle but in a functional setting, but we're going like fast, like every minute on the minute or doing an EDT or an AMRAP, something along those lines. So you're still getting that metabolic effect because your heart rate's going up. Um, and then the last thing I would say is like, the max effort days, we're doing those heavy compound lifts. And then on the dynamic effort days, we're still doing speed work. We just don't do as much speed work as conjugate power lifters do. Um, we do more hypertrophy work. But I believe that speed work still applies to hypertrophy in body composition change because it's a neural adaptation. So if you can move the bar faster, you can build, uh, I mean, a couple things. Number one, your, your nervous system is going to develop faster. You're going to get better and better at that from a neurological standpoint. But there's some stuff that shows basically when we do that speed work, and this is why I like doing like throws or plyo pushups, shit like that before a bench press, you recruit more motor units and muscle fibers going into that lift mm-hmm. so if i do like speed bench i'm improving my nervous system i'm recruiting more muscle fibers recruiting more motor units i'm more primed to build muscle and all the accessory work i'm going to do afterwards but the cool thing about that is is i'm not maxing out on all that so I'm, I'm able to recover better so i have two days a week where i'm going like one three five reps like pretty low reps going super heavy and then i have two days a week where i'm just going for speed and technique and then i just have isolation work that follows Typically on the dynamic days, I will put more unilateral work. Uh, I will put more um, functional, quote unquote, movements because I want to make it more dynamic. I want to get them moving and increasing their movement capacity. I want to change the variations and stuff like that and, and use more functional equipment. And then on the max effort days, it's much more like we're doing a bench, we're doing a heavy ass row, we're gonna do some like heavy curl. Like it's very simple, get strong. Yeah. You know, um, but it's kind of one of those things where, in nature. Conjugate method is concurrent. So, concurrent means multiple modalities or goals mixed into one. So, hmm. CrossFit is very concurrent. You got to be good at running distance. You got to be good at sprinting. You got to be good at max power lift. You got to be good at max deadlift. You got to be uh, good at body weight, high rep stuff. You kind of got to be able to do everything. All over the board. Yeah. So, conjugate method is a great one for the people that are like, well, I want to be jacked or I want to get lean, but I also want to perform well. I want to yeah. be like an athlete. It's honestly my. It, for me, it's my the most fun. It's my favorite type of programming to write. It's my favorite type of programming to experience. only reason i'm not doing it right now is because i have a very strict goal of like i just want to build as much muscle as possible i don't care about strength i don't care about speed i don't care about any of that right now yeah when i'm done with this phase that's the first thing i'm gonna do is shift to that conjugate method because i I think it's really fun um and it gives you a chance to improve your athleticism while looking better so it's kind of this way and then usually what we do is we'll put some conditioning days in there so maybe you go max effort upper uh, dynamic effort lower then we follow that by like a low impact conditioning day so maybe it's like sled march yeah. so you grab a sled and just drag it back and forth for 20 minutes or you go on like a, a weight vest walk something s- small um, then you have an upper body dynamic lower body max effort and then you have a, a high intensity conditioning day on saturday gotcha or you can flip flop friday saturday but now we're we're adding in a low and low to moderate intensity conditioning session more aerobic based and then a high intensity more anaerobic based as well and we do that now we literally it's like the ultimate con- concurrent Performance, speed, strength, hypertrophy, uh, and energy systems yeah. all wrapped into one. Absolutely. So that's the reasoning behind it. Yeah. And the exercise selection, I'm not going to get into that because, I mean, it's its a 16-week program. Both yeah. of them are, the male and the female. So that's like, I mean, every three weeks the exercises change. So there's there's always a component of push-pull legs. Like I'm always trying to hit the fundamental movement patterns. Push, pull, legs, lunge. And then carry, yeah. right? Carry something or do something for your core. So I'm always doing those I'm, I'm selecting exercises based on those but every three weeks I'm changing them to either progress how heavy somebody can go uh, progress uh, their their technique and their ability to move so for example a dumbbell reverse lunge is typically easier than uh, for most people than a split squat because a split squat you have to bounce reverse lunge you can kind of step in step out take a break step in step out um, after a split squat it's like a Bulgarian split squat and then maybe a front foot elevated split squat and then maybe walking lunges because it's more dynamic and then maybe you're doing a slow negative step up they're all quad dominant unilateral movements so many options but but i'm progressing your ability to move as the weeks go on and if i do three week blocks it's going to spread out over time and then exactly and i can do that with push pull hip knee core everything and then for uh the male versus female the the female is just more targeting glutes Hamstrings, uh, shoulders, and a little bit of up. Both of the programs are really upper back intensive. But typically, women want like nice shoulders, and they want nice butt, and they want nice hamstrings. Yeah. So we're going to do a little more of that. Typically, guys want big biceps, big chest, and usually a big back. Yeah. We're going to do more of that. Yep. Uh, but we're touching on everything in both programs. Touche. Boom.
1: Yeah. Break that down. Go sign up. All right. So the n- next question.
0: And by the way people listening this is exactly what chad gable does my wwe client yeah one of them yeah um he he follows a conjugate method yeah um so he has to perform i yeah. built the conju- modified conjugate method program inside the taylor trainer based off of what i was taking him through yeah. because he was getting such crazy results and yeah. he was feeling better than ever his injuries were non-existent now he had a bad shoulder um his his strength wasn't going up for a while because of it now all of his numbers are up He's more jacked than he's ever been. He feels amazing. He has a blast training. That dude's a monster. Yeah. I, I don't know if people on here follow his Instagram. He's a beast. I'll link him in, in the show notes because he posts our workouts yeah. all the time. He loves them. Um, but he, he's a good example. It's like that guy has to – like he has to be able to sustain endurance in the ring because you're just going and going and going and going. So he needs energy systems. He needs to be jacked because if you don't look the part on live television – what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and then he has to be strong yeah. because he, he's got to throw 250-pound men around. Yeah. You know what I mean? So perfect example of somebody that's like kind of that concurrent model. Yeah. But,
1: Great. All right. So uh, the next question is coming from Stacy or me. Hey, Cody. Thanks for putting out great content each week. I am only 5' foot tall and 115 pounds. My goal weight is 105 pounds. I find that every time I cut, I have to go as low as 1,000 to 1,100 calories to hit those numbers. Have you taken some of your smaller females that low to get results? Also, have you ever posted a picture of you as an overweight kid? It would be interesting interesting to see how far you've come. Um,
0: I have posted a picture a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. and there is one on my website. I think I was in – that was like right after high school I think. Was it? I think I'm wearing like a gray – North face or something. Yeah. There's no pictures of me in like a, yeah. Yeah. There's no pictures of me with tank top or shirtless. (laughs) I wouldn't, it was non-existent. I like full transparency. I hid from the camera. I was like, I don't, I'm good. I don't want to take pictures. Like, and then when I did, I was always wearing a hoodie. Yeah. It was covering up. Um, and, and, like, when I was a baby, I was a chunk. But then I, like, you know, you sprout up when you're a toddler. So I have pictures of me, like, running around when I was a toddler and I wasn't I wasn't overweight. Um, and then I got – it was, like, once I hit, like, third grade, yeah, I got chubby. And then, like, it just went on. But I don't know. Like, I, I've posted a couple pictures before, like, way back. But I haven't posted one in a while. But there's not that many good ones. Like, <laughs> there, there's one of me at prom that's funny. I'm wearing, like, a white and pink tuxedo. And I just look like a penguin, like just round. <laughs> it's not a good one. but I remember that. But, I mean, you remember me. Yeah. I mean, I was never like obese, but I was definitely heavier. And then after high school, I gained another like 10, 20 pounds on top of that. So, um, but
1: not too many pictures.
0: But I have come a long way, that's for damn sure. Um, All right, so
1: smaller female
0: clients. Yeah, smaller female clients.
1: Have you gone down to a 1,000 to 1,100 cal- calories? <sighs> And got results.
0: 1,100, yes, 1,000, no. Um, I think 1,100 maybe like once or twice I've had to do that. Um, and it's very, very temporary. Like that's like, okay, we're spending three days there and two days out, right? Like at like even if it's like two days at 1,500, like just small refeed. But I've had clients that I've helped like cut to 95 pounds because they're five foot tall and they're a bikini competitor. Yeah. So it's like they literally – like that sounds so small but – they're literally five, five foot tall, so it's really not that small. Like it's lean, but the problem with them is is like, eleven hundred sounds so little. I mean, I eat twenty eight hundred calories a day now. It's like, I can't imagine eating eleven hundred. One but meal. why would I ever? I'm a hundred pounds heavier than that. Yeah, almost. You know what I mean? So, it is, I, I think if you look in relative, like if you if you if there was a way to calculate your body weight to calorie ratio of like a percentage, hmm. like you would give like okay, like here's. Where they're at, here's where this person at. Oh, it's the same thing. But this person's eating 2,200. They're eating 1,200. Yeah. But it's because they're so much smaller. Yeah. Um, so I have, and, and like I think sometimes you do need to take it to 1, 13, 1,200. Sometimes even 1,100. But usually you should be doing some kind of carb cycling because it's really hard to stay consistent with that kind of a diet. So I would probably be doing like two days on, one day off, or three days on, two days off, or um, training days you're higher and just you just have a couple low days. But you can also do something like alternate day intermittent fasting. So there's a lot of studies on that where you spend every other day fasted. So you can do a full day or you can do like 18 to 20 hours. So you just basically eat dinner. So it's like tonight, my last meal is at six, let's say, and then I don't eat till tomorrow at six. Damn. But the days in between, I'm eating at maintenance. So you're not eating little calories, you're eating a lot of food. But by the end of the week, your weekly deficit's pretty damn big. Yeah. And they- people train on the. The days that they eat and then they go on a walk right before their dinner on the other days. You know what I mean? And it's they've done studies on that and it works really well and it's healthy and it's totally fine because your weekly total is is in a good enough depth to lose weight. For some people. Some people are like, Great, I don't gotta think about it. Wake up, drink coffee, go to work all day, and then I come home and eat dinner and I'm good. There's a lot of people that do it.
1: Stomach doesn't start cramping?
0: It depends. I mean, some people some people feel better, but you like usually you get used to it. Like yeah. I know when I did intermittent fasting, I did intermittent fasting where I would fast like 16, 18 hours. I did that for like well over a year straight. Uh, but for me, I slept in until 10, 11 a.m. And then I basically woke up, started studying and reading and drinking coffee. And then I would drive to the gym. I'd have like a protein bar at like two. Uh, and then I would have like a, a shake train and then just have a feast at night i wasn't even a deficit i just i just loved eating a massive meal at night every time i wow. came home after because i train at night yeah
1: train it, on a onion f- fasted
0: no i would i would break my fast at like two with something small and then i would eat another meal at like like uh five right and then you. i would train at like eight okay and then i would go home and eat a massive okay, meal okay, at okay, ten. Okay.
1: Yeah, you can't. Train I did that for a long time. Do we used
0: to go? We used to all do it, and then we would go to like twenty uh, four hour diners because it'd be so late by the time we got done training, it'd be like ten or eleven p m. And we'd be like, "Fuck it, let's go to Thirteen Coins." The amount of time we went to Thirteen Coins after a lifting session was crazy, but Thirteen Coins is good. Have you is ever it been good there? Good food. Oh yeah, have you ever been there? In Seattle? Uh, there's one in Seattle. There's one in Tukwila by the airport. Yeah, it's basically uh, it's like it's a twenty four hour diner. But it's just it's way nicer. Gotcha. Imagine like BJ's mixed with Denny's. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: you guys are like all about nutrition. I can't believe we're going thirteen coins. Like. Well, you
0: can get like salad and you know meat and steak and stuff like that. I mean, oh. but but that was like one of the reasons why we did intermittent fasting. Is like you, you can kind of get away with eating more shit. Yeah. Um, but this was before I was a nutritionist too. So okay. I wasn't into nutrition. I was fucking like nineteen, twenty years old, just trained, just trained. Yeah. That's it. Um. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's my advice. Like sometimes it is it, it, getting pretty low is just necessary for people who, um, who are really light or maybe going through menopause and their metabolism's not working with them as yeah. well. But regardless, sometimes you have to have those days where you just dig, you know, I mean, there's even like male bodybuilders that are like my weight. That'll tell you like, oh yeah, I ate 1300 calories. And it's like, what? Yeah. It's like, yeah, some days I just had to do it to get this lean. <laughs> it's like.
1: Well, you're getting on stage. True. So, yeah. Dope. Um, So, we don't have any more questions. Okay. I have maybe a personality question. Maybe. Uh, Well, I do. You might. But it's just a question. So, if you could... And it's a question only for you. (laughs) (laughs) I can't ask it back? No. Uh, Because you are the podcaster. (laughs) If you could interview one person and I'm gonna narrow it down if you can if you could interview one person in the industry who would it be and what one question would you ask him mm. and if you in why like
0: coaching industry or podcasting industry
1: no 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 coaching okay nutrition and training ooh kind of tells me like who you want to get on the podcast yeah what you want to ask one question you want to ask him and why you want to ask that question. Mm. a thumper? What? <laughs> I wonder if they can hear that on here.
0: Um, fuck, that's hard, dude. That's a good question. I think this has changed over time. You know, like I mean,
1: you you've interviewed Eric Helms. I know you've Eric <laughs> Helms probably would have been the first one. Yeah,
0: uh, and I would have asked him uh, basically what does he thinks going on in the fitness industry. And the question you I asked them. him. Yeah, um, I would. You know, like, there's been a time where, like, James Fitzgerald from OPEX, like, I wanted to pick his brain because he's, like, a fitness philosopher. Like, his mind just works differently. But I interviewed him, so that was fun. Um, Once upon a time, I probably would have said Alan Aragon because he was, like, one of the original flexible dieting guys that, like, really started that whole movement. Um, I I haven't interviewed him. uh, But I don't know if he'd. Nothing against him, but I just like I like he was one of the first people that I saw really putting out research on nutrition, so mm. like that comes to mind for sure. Um, but then I also think like fuck Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean he's there technically you in the industry. You Absolutely. Know? Like, um, I, I've thought about Joe DeFranco as well. Joe DeFranco helped me learn a lot. I haven't had him on. I'd love to have him. Joe on. Joe
1: DeFranco. He is. A-
0: he's a strength coach. He owns uh, Joe DeFranco's. Or DeFranco's gym. Yeah, um, he trains a lot of NFL players, Who's a lot the, of WWE guys. Shame on me.
1: I should know this. Who's the uh, head honcho dude of First Form?
0: Oh, uh... Jay Fury. Oh. No, um, he runs a podcast called the MF CEO. Yeah, actually, I think he changed the title of it now. I think it's a different podcast now. Andy him. Frisella. There we go. Um, I don't know if I would consider him in the coaching industry because he's in the supplement space, oh, you know, but yeah. like. But he, I would love to interview him. But I honestly think if I could choose anybody, if it was just in the fitness category, it'd be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sick, because dude, I, like, not even for what he did in fitness, because he did something amazing in fitness. Like he, he made bodybuilding a thing. Like mm. he actually, he popularized bodybuilding hmm. more than anybody in history. Hmm. Um, he also brought like weightlifting into sports, into politics, into schools. Like if you listen to his documentary, he was on the board of advisory with uh, George. Bush senior, Hmm. and he brought a program for fitness to help kids and uh, uh, youth with disabilities and stuff like that. He'd go around the country showing them PE and stuff like that. Like, he was like a revolution, and he was the greatest movie star, arguably, action star. Like, people laugh at Arnold, but like, he did more action movies than almost any other actor. And then he became the governor. Yeah. What? Yeah. And then he has uh, the Arnold, which is. Are probably the biggest fitness competition there is. There's bodybuilding, there's bikini, there's physique, there's powerlifting, there's strongman, there's vendors. Like so much goes on at the Arnold. It's Huge. insane. It so, got canceled this year. It got canceled this year. Um, I, I think it would, yeah, it would definitely be Arnold. I mean, I, and I don't know what I would ask him because he just has so many accomplishments. Um, I think I would ask him what we talked about on that last podcast. Like what motivates you and what did motivate you? Like, because I want to, or like, what was your impossible game? Like, I want to know because when he first started, he was a teenager in a military camp in Austria and he wanted to bodybuild, but they wouldn't let him because he was in a military camp. You had to stay in the camp. He snuck out of military camp, got on a train, went to a bodybuilding competition, won, and then he got caught and he was in like a, uh, what is it called in prison when you're in like a solitary confinement? it was not that degree because it's a military camp. Like he's training to be in the army. He's not in jail, but they put him in like, like detention basically. Um, And he got in trouble and stuff. And then uh, like he kept doing it. And then they eventually let him leave the military because he had, he signed a contract to be there, but he was like, I can be good at this. I can pursue this. And the people believed him and they're like, okay, we're gonna let you go. Um, and then he chased his dream, moving to America. Like he just did so much shit, man. Like, yeah. I want to know like, okay, when you were in that military camp, what was your impossible game? There like, you go. Because be sick, because it'd be cool because I guarantee it wasn't becoming a movie star and becoming the governor yeah. of California. Like, I think like that just goes to show like you're constantly chasing this evolving goal yes. and I would love to just let him go the impossible. off on that. The impossible. Yeah. He fucking accomplished the impossible. Yeah. He's one of the like most motivating people to me. And I, I always laugh when people like mimic his voice and make fun of him and stuff like that. Cause I'm like, dude, that guy is so successful on so many fronts. It's yeah. absolutely insane. Yeah. What about the rock? The rocks up there too, yeah. but I wouldn't consider him in the fitness space. Oh, he's an actor. I mean, I guess he was in WWE, yeah. but still he's all about, lifting. but a hundred percent. But Arnold was a bodybuilder. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah that's yeah, like yeah. And he kind of coached people. And for sure. But, but I would love to interview the rock. The rocks. Super motivational, super inspiring, dope, super fucking successful. He's got that tequila company now. Yeah. Like, I, I want the rock to on Joe Rogan. Yeah, me too. I'm surprised he hasn't. Yeah, to be honest with you, too. especially because Kevin's been on there twice, yep. and they're best friends. Seems like. Seems like. Not that I know him. <laughs> Talking like I know. Him. Dope. Well, it's a wrap. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomperformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy.